Welcome to the podcast for St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School Sherman Center that's in Random Lake, Wisconsin, north of Milwaukee and south of Sheboygan. We're pleased to share with you recent sermons and Bible classes from our congregation. We welcome you to join us for Divine Service Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have Bible classes currently offered at 8.15 a.m. on Sunday. Join us to receive the Lord's Word and His gifts. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The Lord your God delivered you from Egypt. The Lord your God has ripped you out of Pharaoh's house of slavery. And he's promised to you a land flowing with milk and honey. Your life is a life then of pilgrimage from despair unto hope, from slavery to freedom, from death to resurrection. The Lord has laid the road before you. The way is clearly charted. No more Egypt, no more oppression, no more sin, no more suffering, no more death. The future is Canaan, the promised land. The future is sanctified and holy. The future is peace. The future is life. But what about now? What do you do while you journey from Egypt to the promised land? That question, what must I do, that's a regular refrain from wilderness wayfarers. And in response to your question, the Lord gave you exactly what you asked for. You heard them today, the Ten Commandments. There are no more practical or relevant life lessons than those given by God through Moses in Exodus and the Holy Scriptures. If you strive after them and do them, God promises it will go well with you and you will live long on the earth. These ten words are God's articulation of what the image of God ought to look like in you, what faith toward him and what love toward one another looks like. So, do you want to love God rightly? Then get rid of all your idols, anything that you fear, love, or trust in apart from the Lord your God. And don't forget to call upon the Lord's name at all times without ceasing in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Go to church, listen to your pastor, say your prayers every day. Clearly, third commandment. And do you want to love your neighbor? Do you want your life, your relationships, your world to be a better place? Then love your neighbor as yourself. Remove from yourself all hatred and anger. Stop lusting after the opposite sex. Don't act like you're married, whether fornicating or just living together. Don't take what isn't yours to take, whether it's stuff or money or time. Stop talking about your neighbor, his family, or your pastor behind their back. And if you want to go all the way, don't desire what isn't yours. That is your spouse or house or car or life that belongs to your neighbor. You see, the Lord your God has already set up a handbook 
or set of rules, life lessons, for you to live by, to strive for. But you misuse it. In your selfishness, you would take this will of God and use it to make a bargain. But by trying to make a deal with God, you're actually going to get more than what you bargained for. Because what God demands in those Ten Commands, in that holy law, is perfect obedience. Not just good enough, but complete, finished, every jot and tittle, he says. So the saying goes, be careful what you wish for. Your parents asked Moses to ask God, tell us how to live, and look at what they received. They received ten words, and actually a whole book of laws about how to conduct the church, how to govern their state, how to live their lives, down to every little detail. And even if we took the summary, the Ten Commandments today, well, those perfectly describe what your life as a Christian must be. They tell you exactly what God expects of you. So then... If you honestly examine yourself according to those Ten Commands, you're really only left with two options. Do you do them perfectly, completely? Are they finished? Well, no. And so, first option is that you could despair under the weight of the law and the way it exposes your own selfishness, the way that you live for yourself rather than live in faith toward God or love for your neighbor. And you would do this by defanging the bite of the law, making it easier, nicer, or more likable. That's the only way out of that despair. You say, no other, have no other gods? Good, got it. Except I do put a little faith, hope, and love in my job or my government or just in myself call upon you in every trouble? Sure. Uh, but only when it gets really bad. Only when it's serious enough that pastors should pray like in front of the church. Remember the Sabbath day? Well, not if I have a family engagement or if I got home late on Saturday or I just don't feel up to it or it's just too hot. <laughs> and then love my neighbor? Well, I can do that, but only the neighbors I like. Surely I can hold on to my grudge against him or be angry with her. There can't be a problem with just an occasional peek or a look on the internet. What's wrong with taking a little leisure time in the middle of the workday? And I put the best construction on most everything, unless really I'm just being honest. And what, what about greed? That's what drives our economy after all. You see how you take God's word and you soft-pedal it so that you can boast about your keeping of it in order to avoid the full weight of it, the despair that it brings. And in so doing, you turn into what we meet in the Bible in the New Testament. They're called Pharisees. You love to be proud of your obedience to God's word. All these things I have kept from my youth. And if you make that move, now 
as the psalmist says, you, or excuse me, as St. John says, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. After rendering God's law done by your own judgment, now you're free to add even more laws. Nice, simple, easy maxims that you can live up to. Be nice, be helpful, be friendly. Except you fill in the blank. This is effectively taking the righteousness that God demands and substituting something minimized, tamed, a righteousness of your own choosing. That's the only way out of the despair, the weight that the law brings upon your conscience. And it's so natural to make this move that it was predominant in Jesus' day. But even before that, over and over, God's people somehow managed to lose the book of the law, the actual tablets that Moses wrote upon. They lost them. Well, they tried to lose them. They wanted to forget them. Because the terror of Sinai under Moses, well, that's the only way out, is to substitute your own law to become your own Pharisee like those we meet in the gospel. So back to what God actually demands in those Ten Commands that we heard today. If you want to live by the law, he demands that you keep them perfectly. If you want to receive eternal life based upon your righteousness, that's your obedience, then there's no half-assing it. Either you keep the whole law down to every jot or tittle, every detail, every possible permeation in every example, or it's eternal death and the hell of fire for you. So the external righteousness of the Pharisee, the good enough, isn't ever. The righteousness that God demands has to go deep down into the core of your very being. You have to be righteous, top to bottom, in and out. So the perfect righteousness the Lord your God demands is not about building up a good facade. It's not just about mere outward righteousness, looking good, doing well, as helpful as that is for your neighbor. Actually, it runs to the very division of flesh and marrow, right to the very soul. Now, our parents who demanded that law, that word from God, at Sinai, they soon regretted their promise. They said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And then they didn't. They fell into that other option. Well, either of them, either despair or self-righteousness. But if you're going to be honest, when faced with God's law, the only thing you can say is, I am a poor, miserable sinner. Because there is only one righteousness that satisfies the demands that God placed before you today. It's not that righteousness of your own obedience. It's not the proud righteousness of the scribes or Pharisees. It exceeds any righteousness that anyone has ever accomplished. It even exceeds the righteousness of the most charitable, hospitable, and well-meaning people the world has ever known. The most noble and virtuous people you could think of. It's a perfect righteousness, a complete righteousness, a fulfilled righteousness that obeys the Father's will, down to every jot and tittle, even 
because it means death. It's the righteousness given to you as a free gift in Christ your Savior in the gospel. The righteousness that God demands is given to you as he declares to you the forgiveness of sins that was earned by Christ Jesus by dying for you. It's a righteousness that was washed upon you in your baptismal waters, which sanctified you, made you holy, not by your doing, but by his doing. Not by your choosing, but by God's election and adoption of you in those waters. It's a righteousness that's given to you under the bread and wine that is Christ's body and blood. The righteousness God demands in the holy law is Jesus Christ for you. So, as great as God's word is, actually perfect, in instructing you in the way that you should go in this life, you don't need God to give you any more rules or advice. You've already got it. You've learned those Ten Commandments and their explanations. That also then means you don't really need the church to be a place of more tips and how to live a better life, or even just a place that's full of activities for your doing so that you may show your righteousness before the world. And you don't need to make a deal with God because you just break it anyway, as everyone has always done. No, you are baptized. You are raised from such dead works to live in the newness of Christ's life. You live not as slaves to obedience, but rather as free people to live for God and love your neighbor, dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. You live now every day in Christ's word, in Christ's baptism, in Christ's body and blood, his forgiveness given, shed, washed, fed to you. And that's how you live in a righteousness that's not your own, but the righteousness that Christ gives you in the forgiveness of sins. You live in Christ, and living in him you live forever. Thanks be to Jesus in his holy name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.